0: This is part, part, of the, um, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> and Jesus is talking to the crowds that are sitting there, listening to him. And he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do as I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show, show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock, Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all here. For those who don't know me, my name's Glenn, Glenn Decker, and uh, I get to bring the word to you this morning. Um, but before I do, um, I just want to testify to God's faithfulness and goodness. Um, someone asked me this morning before the service, if you hadn't heard, I've been looking to get a part-time job at Bunnings. And um, this, time, this, uh, this week I found out that I got a job at Bunnings. Yeah, 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 That's good. So I just want to testify to God's goodness and his provision. But I also want to testify that I just got no idea how prayer works. There's things I've been praying for for the last year and a half in our missional community, um, to do with our neighbours and their salvation and praying for that often and passionately and not seeing (laughs) much happen in regard to um, them seeing Jesus and understanding Jesus and who he is and getting to know them better. And I've also been praying that God would provide for us and hopefully that I would get a job at Bunnings because I actually want to get a job in a place where I work sort of in an everyday Australian work environment. And so I I get up here and I testify that God answers prayer, but sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's yes, and sometimes it's, you know, the typical wait, I'm still working. So I don't get up and say... I just wanted to have that balance when we share things about how God interacts with our prayers. What we do know is that God is faithful and he provides. And He provided the way he's provided this job for us at Bunnings, or for me at Bunnings, is um, supernatural. It wouldn't have happened. It's not got to do with me or anything that I've done, and it's got to do with a whole lot of connections that he made and, and made happen. And so I testify to his... Timing and his supernatural intervention in that. And so I know that there's a God that does that, but then <laughs> I continue to be on my knees for my neighbours and for other stuff that's happening in our mission or community at the moment that I've been praying for longer than I've been praying about the Bunnings thing. And I'm t- trusting and walking with God that I know that He knows what's best for me, whether He answers my prayer, yes. <laughs> Or he answers it, no. Or he just wants me to be more faithful in it and consistent in it. So I do want to testify to God's goodness. A dad that says to us, come with everything. Come with everything to me. I know what's best for you. Um, And sometimes I'm going to interact supernaturally and make that happen. Uh, And other times I know what's best for you and the answer's no. Or other times I want you to keep praying and keep persisting and keep coming to me. So wherever you are on your prayer journey with things in your life I just want to let you know and remind you this morning you've got a faithful God he is and knows and knows what's best so remain faithful remain persistent I don't know how it works <laughs> but we know that we've got a father that hears and can interact and does amazing things for us even in the no's as well as the yeses. so he's good in he. It's got nothing to do with the sermon I'm preaching but um, people keep asking me about it and I'm not, not sure how to share and just as I was praying beforehand I thought, I think that's what God wanted me to say. This is a sermon that I, uh, I preached up in Mount Evelyn a while back um, and they're going through the Apostles' Creed up there. Um, and it's a, a summary of uh, what they believe, or I think their theme is called um, This I Believe. And uh, as I've interacted with that theme a few times this year, uh, it's, it's been really good to have that framework. Oh, the Apostles' Creed is almost like the story of God. It just sort of lays out who God is. And it's been good to jump into that at different places and interact with um, the story of who God is and what he's done for us. And so I'm bouncing off that, and, and as I was praying and, and weighing what to, to, pray, uh, to preach here, uh, I bounced it past Joel, and, um, and I felt really that it does tie in to um, sort of the theme and some of the things we've been talking about here this year, about uh, being a full-on follower of Christ, being a moving in following Christ. And I think at the heart of uh, following Christ is the statement that we're going to explore this morning, which is um, Jesus is Lord. In the Apostles' Creed it says that we believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, And we're going to explore that a little bit. Because I think, if you're anything like me, we say that a lot, but I'm not sure that we mean it. (laughs) And so we're going to explore what that means. So uh, let's have a look at the Apostles' Creed. I thought what would be good uh, is for us to say that together. So... Uh, we're going to say this together, so join with me. This is a creed that, was sort of, that sums up, I suppose, the Apostles' teaching and uh, the biblical truth. And it's good to get a feel like that. It's, it's the story of God written out for us. So Let's say it together. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and seated at the right hand of God, Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. If you have time this week, I encourage you to pull it out again and just have a read and a pray through some of those statements. As we focus on this statement of uh, Jesus Christ our Lord, um, It comes a bit, the the bit before it comes about that that we believe in God, the creator, Um, and so the the Apostle Creed looks at the three uh, persons of the Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, so we've had the Father introduction, and then the main part of the Apostle Creed talks about who Jesus is, um, and then talks a bit about the Holy Spirit and the church. But we're going to focus on that idea of Jesus being Lord, and what does that mean? And like I said, I think I'll go to the next slide. Oh yes, that's right. I've got to get. I use this a lot here, but it just fits again. Princess Bride followers, uh, you keep using that word, but I do not think it means what you think it means. So what I want you to do is uh, talk to the person next to you, and discuss amongst yourself for a couple of minutes, or a minute or so, what you think it means when you say Jesus is Lord. You tell them when I say Jesus is Lord, it means. I think it means, or what do you think it means when you, when you say Jesus is Lord? So just talk to each other, just whoever's sitting next to you. What do you think it means? What do you mean when you say it? just uh, listening into a few words sort of coming, filtering back here. Um, when people talk about the idea of Lord, maybe you think of the idea of him being your king or I don't know, throw out some words to me, what did, you, what did people, what did you say, are there any words? The boss, the boss. yes, very good, yep, the, the, sorry, the master, yep, that's very good, master, boss, sorry, In charge, someone who's in charge, yep, yeah, that's good. Powerful, Powerful. yep, yeah, that's good. good. Sorry? A caretaker, caretaker. yeah, that's a good one, yeah, I like that, yeah. Uh, Did we, did anyone touch the, um, we often attach it to another word, Lord and Saviour, it's often we attach those two together, don't we? Uh, King, Master, Saviour, Lord and Saviour together, all those. It's interesting, um, it struck me, I was preaching this sermon um, when Dad was still alive and just around some conversations and I think he, I don't know if it's an era thing or an age thing but um, he often would call, he would often refer to Jesus as his Lord or the Lord And, and he would often use that term uh, as a term of sort of connection or relationship. It's, you know, the Lord wants me to do this or I'm really looking forward to meeting the Lord. I'm looking for... Um, and I, that's, I've met sort of in older people, there's that, that term. It's almost a connection or a relationship or name, probably more so or deeper than even the word God. It's sort of that personal sort of connection there. If you hit... Um, And the reason I want us to explore this a little bit this morning, and the reason I think it's a really important question, is because of the amount of times that Jesus confronts his followers about using this word. So if you look through the the, the Gospels, Jesus, a number of times, multiple times, talks to the people who are following him, talks to his disciples, and says, you keep using that word, but I don't think it means what you think it means. And so here he is, he's on the Sermon of the Mount that Jim told us. He's got these crowds of people around here and he says, you you call me Lord, Lord, but do you really mean what you say? He's quite confronting about it. And both times, he's quite confronting about, you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say. I actually have doubts about whether you are truly following me. That's the extent he goes. Think of um, Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. He said, many, Lord, many people who call me Lord, Lord would never enter the kingdom of God. So what do you mean when you say Lord? <laughs> And call Lord Jesus, and He's pretty uh, clear in the passage that um, Jim read for us is um, that if you call me Lord, if you really mean that, then you do what I say. So you do what I ask, you do what I command, and you obey me. That's the real test on whether you mean what you say mean when you use the word Lord and I think that's a bit of a convicting truth it's been a convicting truth for me as I've been preparing this week and as I've been thinking about this as well it's not something we say lightly it's not a trite statement but it actually affects every decision that we make during the day It affects the way we go to work, the way we go to school, the way we interact with those people sitting next to us. It's actually about being like Jesus, not just declaring what you believe about him. Uh, So Jim read us this story. If we go to the next slide, the wise man built his house upon the rock. It's in Luke 6, but it's also in Matthew 7. And so I want to talk to the person next to each other, uh, next to you and say um, when you've heard that you, you would have, many of you would have heard this in Sunday school or growing up in church um, what do you think this parable was about So just talk to each other if someone would state wise man built his house oh that's about what's it about so just talk to each other and say what's it this is what's about Be um, interested to hear what you said. Um, see, because when I, when I answer that question just sort of off the top of my head, people are, I, would, I would often say, well, that's a parable about Jesus being the rock. And so we build our lives on him and we trust him and we, you know, he is the rock and uh, he is God and uh, maybe it's even Jesus died for us and he saved us from sin. Uh, he freed us from that and gave us a hope for a future so that we can have a, a solid foundation to build our lives on. And I thought to myself, yeah, I believe that truth. I believe that truth. But it's actually not what the parable's about, is it? The parable's is about... Um, well, what is the parable about? You want to have a go? You just said it before. It's about obedience, isn't it? Because Jesus tells this at the end of the parable. Sorry, end of the Sermon of Mount. He's preached this whole Sermon of the Mount. Gets to the end, and this is the last thing he says. He says, "If you want to follow me, then go and do what I've just told you. <laughs> just go and do what I've just taught you." And so, this parable is about all these people, and he says, "You've gathered here. You've come here, and you just want. Well, you sort of just want the kingdom, but you don't want a king." So you want all the benefits, so all these people have gathered around him and they're gathered around him probably for healing, uh, for maybe some sort of benefits or some sort of um, hope or something like that. And he says, you want all of that stuff, but you don't want to obey me. You don't actually want to do what I've told you to do and asking you to do. And so this is a parable about Obedience. And as we're thinking about um, this idea of Jesus being our Lord, the question we've got to be confronted with is, are we doing what he asks us to do? Are our lives a reflection of him? Are we obeying him? We're reminded um, in the book of James... That he there tells us that faith without action is dead. It's a bit like saying the Apostles' Creed and then going out and doing whatever you want. It's a bit like saying, "Yeah, I believe there's God, but I just do what I want to do." And we remember what Jesus, uh, what the the Word says to us in that passage, that not it? See, it's not about believing that Jesus is God. It's not about believing that Jesus died and rose again. Because what does he say in James? He says, even the demons believe that. Even Satan believes that. But if you call me Lord, (laughs) then you've got to do what I say. You've got to be obedient to me. And the foolish person hears that truth, it's like the demons, it's like Satan, they know that truth, they know that truth and they reject it and they go and do their own thing and they pursue their own lives or their own glory. And Jesus confronts us this morning with this parable and this truth about what do you mean when you say that word, what do you mean when you gather here in church, what do you mean when you sing those songs? And so uh, what I want to do first, a little bit, is, um, is just do a little bit of a word study. So if we go to the next slide. Because uh, this word, Lord, appears in the Bible a lot. Um, and it appears in lots of different ways. Um, and I thought, as I was exploring this, I thought, uh, some of these ways that it appears are actually helpful for us to wrestle about what does it mean for us to follow Jesus. And so um, the, because, I, I don't know, I wrote it now, I've got to read this. The, the word, Eng, the English word Lord is actually a translation of an Aramaic word, three Greek words and nine different Hebrew words. And they all have sort of various sort of different meanings and um, expressions. But pretty well all of them have a sense of... Um, This word is used for someone that you give dignity to or honour or a sense of majesty as well. So I think we were sort of summing that up pretty good when we were talking about how we use the word Lord. Um, Generally, the the word, because the New Testament and then later the Old Testament was translated into Greek and so there's this Greek word called kurios which sort of sums all of those up and uh, that uses sort of, it has the idea of what some of you said. Uh, boss or master, or if you think in biblical terms of a slave, master, like people were often slaves and they had a lord who um, ruled over them and controlled uh, their lives as well. But this word also has a number of different meanings. It can mean sir, master, owner, but it also then can go on to mean like an idol or um, god as well. On a number of occasions, uh, and the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew um, word Lord is a translation of the word Yahweh, which is the personal name of God. And this is where, you know, back to that example about my dad, I think that's where that sort of generation gets from. Because actually, instead of, they, was, they thought the name Yahweh of, of God was so holy that we couldn't use it, so they started using the word Lord. And actually, in the Old Testament, when they translate it, it's the I lent this at college, here we go, the divine tetra, I can't even say it, tetragonogram or something. So they, they, could only, uh, they only recorded four letters of God's name, which we sort of bring out the word Yahweh or Jehovah. It was so holy they've actually forgotten, they, they forgot to use it and so they've almost forgotten the name of God. Um, and so wherever you read the Lord in the Old Testament, it's the um, capital L's Lord, oh sorry, capital letters Lord. So when you read these in the English version, you get a... That should, the first word should only have a lowercase L. Um, as Lord, which is sort of a bit like Sir. You just like, as you would say, Sir or... Um, it's the, the, that sort of level. When you go to a Lord with a capital L, that's probably along the lines of the idea that Caesar is Lord. And if you think about what they were saying about that, um, that Jesus, uh, sorry, Caesar wasn't, they're, they're giving him spiritual, he had such power, he was like a god. So there's sort of, there's that idea of Lord uh, and then there's the capital letters Lord which is Yahweh and so you get these um, versions of different versions of Lord used in the Bible and sometimes in the same sentence. So it's a it's, it's, Good for us to know why we're sometimes confused about this. So in Colossians 3, um, Paul writes this, he says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters, or your, that's the word Lord, earthly masters, uh, in everything, not only while being watched, but in order to please them, but wholeheartedly fearing the Lord, which is capital, Lord. You know, he's talking about God, Yahweh there. And so... Uh, As we think about this idea, I think, and as I've been looking at my life, I use these different versions of Lord at different times in my life. That sometimes I think that I I get almost complacent with Jesus and I sort of, yeah, I know he's someone sort of important, but I'm just using him as sir. (laughs) And it's like, I've become a little bit flippant about who he is. Yeah, yeah, he's someone good, but... Or sometimes I know he's spiritual, but I don't really do what he says. <laughs> or I question what he does. I thought today's, in today's... Maybe he's... It's the Caesar thing. And, and if you think about this, just think about it probably where I've been thinking about it too, is different people around me, how they view Jesus. Think about different people in your workplace, in your sporting clubs, or in your family. How they view Jesus. There's some of them that view him as a little lowercase Lord. Yeah, he's someone out there that has some good teaching, and we might be able to. Then there's some other people out there that would put him in the same category as maybe the Dalai Lama or the Pope. People that they're sort of you know they've they've got some sort of spiritual aspect in and something to be listened, but we can sort of pick and choose whether we want to do what, well. And they're probably distant and they don't really know what's going on in my life sort of idea. But they do have power to influence my life. Maybe it's sort of that. And I'm just, as you're thinking about other people and thinking about yourself, just thinking about how you view Jesus and how you live with Jesus and if any of these things are um, crept into your life. And then this idea which where Jesus always goes, this idea that if I am your Lord, I am, uh, as the rest of the Apostle creeds points out, I am part of the Trinity. I am God. I was here before the beginning of the creation of the world. I'm going to be here at the end of it. I've come and entered into this world um, to bring my kingdom in this place. And I'm showing you that I am Lord of this universe by the miracles I do, by the teaching I do, by the love that I bring, by the forgiveness I bring, and ultimately by where his life would go uh, to the cross. And so I think, and as I've been wrestling with myself, do I know this personal relationship with God (laughs) that's all powerful but it's all personal and so it's why we can call God the creator of the universe but we can also call him friend through Jesus that we know Jesus is almighty all powerful he is but yet he's someone that I can approach he's someone I can bring my requests to and he's someone that can actually uh, respond to those requests (laughs) Change things in this world or not. So, if he's the all caps Lord, and particularly if we think of Old Testament and New Testament, the Old Testament was always saying uh, the Messiah is the other idea that the Messiah, the one promised from God who is going to bring his kingdom and bring about in the, the new uh, creation and the new um, Israel was coming and every time that Jesus is referred to uh, as Lord or Messiah in that context, they've got all of that background history that he is the one promised by God who is going to be the King, Lord, Master over this new kingdom. So what does it mean for you to have Jesus as your Lord And as we've been alluding to, are you doing what he asks you to? Are you making the wise decision or the foolish decision? And that's what Jesus confronts his listeners with as he um, preaches to them. And I confront you with it this morning as well. What does it mean for you to have Jesus as your Lord? If we want to become his disciples, we want to follow him, then, we, then what Jesus says, if, if that's true, if that's what you want to do, then your life needs to look like mine. Because I've been telling you how to live. like, And I'm not only telling you, I've been showing you how to live. And so do your, does your life look like your Lord's life? And if you're wondering uh, what that means or what that looks like... Um, he's just been telling them uh, what that looks like because he's just given them the, um, the Sermon on the Mount. So what I want to do just as we sort of go out the back end of this is to have a look at the Sermon on the Mount and ask ourselves, Does our lives do our lives look like that? So we'll go to the next slide. So if Jesus is our Lord... He says, now I want you to do what I've said. And if you go back, this happens both in Luke, but exactly the same happens in Matthew, that Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount and he finishes it with the um, parable of the wise and foolish person. So he says, if you're going to... And, he comes, and so what did he say? He says, so blessed are the poor, hungry, sad and insulted. Is that the sort of value that I have in my life? If Jesus is my Lord, do I have that sort of value? That I value the poor, I watch out for the hungry, I'm mindful of the sad, I'm looking for those who are insulted. And if Jesus is our Lord, I've got to take the warning he gives us, which is a warning of love. The warning is, uh, be careful if you're rich, if you're well fed, you're happy and you're honoured because in the end these things he says will pass away and my kingdom will last so make sure that you're aligning yourself with my lord kingdom not an earthly kingdom Then these ones do you love your enemies and he puts right behind that do you pray for them and so I just did this I just asked myself who are my enemies I have to think about that It's not an easy question today. Like, who are my enemies? So just have a bit of a think who your enemies might be. And then ask, when did I last pray for them? Or, have I gossiped about them? (laughs) Slandered them? uh, Uplifted myself by putting them down? (laughs) Because that's the way it happens when Glenn's Lord... (laughs) Starts to make decisions and priorities based on what I want rather than what Jesus wants. And so that confronted me. Have a bit of a think about who you're going to pray for this week. as a follower of Jesus. Uh, turn the other cheek. Uh, these, these all come out of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, go the extra mile. Uh, be merciful. Think about how's my life reflected those this week? Where have I Uh, chosen not to retaliate? Where have I shown generosity by going extra? Where have I declared Jesus as Lord by forgiving people who don't deserve to be forgiven? That's what what Jesus modelled for us. He, He forgives those who don't deserve to be forgiven. That's you and me. And he says, now I want you to do the same, I want you to be merciful, uh, I, don't want, I want you to not judge, I want you to forgive. And what does the Apostles' Creed say? Forgive as you have been forgiven. Basically. If Jesus is Lord, how has forgiveness manifest itself in my life this week? For people who don't deserve it, people who haven't asked for it. And then he says, uh, look at the log in your own eye before you look at the speck in your brother's or sister's eyes. Am I more concerned about the people living around me and their morals and holiness rather than my own and my own attitudes? And Jesus says, if you call me Lord, then this needs to be evident in your life. Because if it's not, then I'm not sure you're saying what you think you're saying. It's quite confronting, isn't it? (laughs) It's pretty confronting. But that's what Jesus does here. He's got his crowds of people. He's got people gathering around him and then he confronts them with this truth. Do you really want me as king? Do you really want me as Lord? And if you do, then make the wise decision and do what I've asked you to do. Follow me the way I've shown you to live these things out. If we go to the next slide. Because when Jesus came and he implemented the new kingdom, he implements a kingdom of grace. And so all of that stuff, when you just read that, it just dumps on you more, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And so is Jesus just saying you've got to work harder, try harder, be better? No, he says, actually, in the Sermon on the Mount, he has these little snippets that sit in here. He talks about uh, each true tree is recognised by its fruit. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if we think of some of the other teachings of Jesus, um, that in and around the Sermon in the Mount, through the Gospels, through the New Testament, uh, and through the Old Testament, we remember this one, this one's from Ezekiel. It says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I'll put it within you, and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart hu- uh, and give you a heart sorry, start of home from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So you remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So if you, you call me Lord, <laughs> he says, I'll empower you to be able to do this. And when Jesus talks, uh, he's he's, he's talking the last um, supper with the disciples and he's telling them about his going and then he's he's promising them the Holy Spirit. And he says, uh, because I am Lord, I'm the creator of the universe, I'm going back to heaven because I fulfilled what I needed to do here, righteousness. But because I'm Lord, I'm going to send you someone that's going to enable you to live out this kingdom values. I'm going to send you someone who's going to, Enable you to call me Lord, and then do what I ask. And I'm actually going to um, get him to work in your heart and produce this stuff that you can't. And I, I preach it every time I come. You know, and it's so. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. And I always get them mixed up. Self-control and the rest. Well, that's That's what he's just said, I want you to do. (laughs) And he says, and I'll I'll empower you to do that. And so what I want you to do, if you say, Jesus is Lord, I I want you to repent from saying that you're Lord, doing your own stuff. Repent from your ways of sin and selfishness. And I want you to turn back to me. Because he confronts them about it. He says, that's the foolish choice. And if you go on your foolish choice, that's going to pass away. It's going to come down in a crashing heap when the flood waters come against it or when judgment comes. And then he says the wise choice is to believe in the creator of the universe who so loved the world that sent his son into the world and I am he and I'll die in your place and I'm bringing a new kingdom and I'm ascending to heaven. I'm sending you the spirit. I'm going to come back again. <laughs> And restore this in its fullness. And think in Revelation, particularly in Revelation, how much the word Lord is used in the songs that they sing. In the things that they, as they honour and they see Jesus glorified and they bowed before him and said, Worthy is the Lamb. They praise the Lord, uh, the risen Christ. And so we remember some of Jesus' teaching around that, remain in me and you will bear much fruit. So call me Lord, just keep connecting to me. And then he says, particularly around the Holy Spirit and this sort of stuff, is keep asking. So I preach this all the time, you've probably heard it, but I want to just say it again. You've got to keep asking for the Holy Spirit to make this stuff evident in your lives. You've got to keep asking, Holy Spirit, help me to follow Jesus. Holy Spirit, help me overcome my unbelief. Because I think the world is more important and beautiful than you are. I think I'm more important and beautiful than you are. So keep changing my heart. So what does this look like? It looks like, I was reading a book this week. Um, He says, if you want to do three things as a follower of Jesus, (laughs) these are probably the good good thing. It's contemplative prayer. So prayer that we actually get down and we, we just with Jesus and we interact with Jesus. We're, um, confession and repentance. And then uh, the third one is um, a theological understanding, which is really just read the Bible, know the Bible, know what the Apostle Creed means, know how it works. And if you can do those sort of three things, <laughs> I think God will reveal himself in that and his spirit works in that or his spirit enables you to do that whichever way it goes, um, and he says, ask the Father and I'll give you another counsellor. So he doesn't just leave us hanging there when he says, call me Lord and then go off and do these things. He says, because I am Lord, and this is the twist on it, and he says, he says because I am Lord, you are now who I say you are. And what does he say in the, in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, you are now the sons and daughters of the living God. You are my representatives on this earth. You display my glory as you, and he constantly says it, as you obey my commands. As you live out what I've asked you to live out, you become displayers of uh, this kingdom. We'll go to the last slide. Or was that the last slide? No, this is the one. So Jesus is Lord, Just, and this is what he does. This is beautiful. Um, both in Matthew and in Luke, they do this. So he's talking about you know, um, doing all these things. Are so you doing what I'm saying? And then just in case you're wondering whether I'm Lord, uh, the chapters afterwards show, Jesus shows, or the writers show, that Jesus is Yahweh. Okay, So the writers intentionally show that Jesus is Yahweh. He's the creator of the universe because he comes in and he has power over sickness. If you read, pull out your Bibles this week, this goes to chapters 7 and 8. Exactly the same thing happens in Matthew um, he has power over sickness, he raises the dead, he forgives sins, he calms storms, he casts out demons. He truly is the Messiah. He truly is the Son of God. He is our Lord. And then in chapter nine, he reminds them all that truth, then he sends them out. So, this is who you are. You're now my ambassadors. You're my temple. You are my presence in this world. When I did this up in um, Mount Evelyn, it was a Lord's Supper day. I finished off with it. It's a beautiful picture at the end because our Lord invites us to a supper with him. So we can sit around the table. Our Lord <laughs> has made it possible to us to be in that sort of relationship with him. And then... He gives us that power and authority and majesty, majesty. As we leave that table, think of that Lord's Supper picture that Jesus often gives, he sends us out into the world as little lords. Because what does he say? See, all power and authority is mine, and I will be with you always. So we actually gain power and authority through Christ, and His spirit's work in us. It's not to claim victory, but we actually go out with authority. We go out as little lords, not capital letter lords, as Christ's representatives in this earth, with his power working through us, as we seek his kingdom to bear with our friends, our families, our neighbours, and us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to this earth and you showed us how to obey your Father. We thank you that you became obedient to your Father, even to the point that you were willing to die on a cross. We thank you that you perfectly did what your Father asked you to do. We thank you that you have recorded in your Bible what it looks like for us to do what you ask us to do. We are so thankful that through your life, death, resurrection and ascension that we now have the power of your spirit within us to be able to call you Lord and do what you say. So this week... We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint us as your people, that you would empower us as your church to think, speak, and act like you, Lord Jesus, so that the world would know that the living God is amongst us, that the world would know that today is the day of salvation, so that the world would know that the kingdoms of this earth, the little lords of this earth, will pass away, but the only true Lord will live for eternity. So this week, Lord, empower us to display your glory and declare you as our Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's respond to this good news through song and i've gone back to an old